Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome into BrewCast from Maze and Brew on the SP Nation Podcast Network. I am Luke Yardy. We're here with you on Monday night recording into Tuesday or should be in into Tuesday morning. I'm Luke Yardy, joined as always by Anthony Broom and Chris Castellani, and we've got ourselves an interesting show here today. Coming off the blowout loss to Wisconsin, there's there's not many nice things that we can say about it. Uh, we'll we'll do a little bit of reactionary, but Anthony, uh, he he already did a reactionary pod here, and I'll, I'll welcome these guys in right now, guys. How you feeling here on this somber Monday? I mean, you're leading the charge here, so we'll go wherever you take this conversation. But I'll be honest, like I'm, I'm reactioned out. Like yeah. I, I hope, I think most people uh, listen to the post game pod. The traffic was like triple what a normal show is for us. So uh, definitely thanks to people for that, and thanks to the people who came out Saturday at Jim Brady's. It was a good time. Chris was there. A couple other of our contributors were there. Some former contributors were there. Uh, shout out all those guys. Shout out Jim Brady's. But other than that, uh, this weekend was the equivalent of a root canal. Yeah. yeah or, a colon- or a colonoscopy, which might be more <laughs> accurate. Chris, how you feeling, man? Uh, I, I share your guys' sentiments. Uh, this was uh, about as bad a weekend as you can have uh, as a college football fan. Um, we're obviously going to cover this, but... Because Michigan football has specialized in gut-punching, back-breaking, soul-crushing losses over the last 15 years. But there was something about this one that just felt a little bit different. And we'll talk more about it. But yeah, this was... uh, If there's anything good that's going to come from this, it's the fact that uh, we'll be able to... Or at least I will. uh, You know, Maybe you guys already have. Get uh get some frustrations out on what was a uh, an extremely ugly and even more disappointing weekend of Michigan football. All right, so I texted you guys on Saturday night, and I told you that I had a bit of an epiphany uh, on Saturday, and I wanted to wait to share it with you until we got into the podcast. It is similar to what we've been seeing, but I have a, a spin on it that I haven't really seen from anyone else. Um, and it has to do with Jim Harbaugh. Okay. Now, a lot of people have been saying, like, I've seen a lot of stuff out there, you know, that 
he's lost his passion and things like that. I don't think that that's the case. I think Jim Harbaugh still has a tremendous passion for winning at Michigan, you know, with all the sentimental ties that he has playing there, playing for Bo. Uh, he, he views himself, you know, as, as kind of the understudy to Bo now taking over in, in his sort of honor sort of thing. Um, but I, I had an epiphany in the sense that what did we hear all the time when Michigan first hired Jim Harbaugh? You know, what was the big thing that was said about Jim Harbaugh was that he can't stay in a place. He, he, he never lasted more than four years anywhere, right? Because he wore on people. And that's what we heard. We, we thought it was crazy. He's working with college kids. You know, this is the, the perfect opportunity for him. So I was sitting there thinking on Saturday, and what? If, and this was the conclusion that I kind of came to, and I want your guys' thoughts on it. What if Jim Harbaugh doesn't necessarily wear on the people around him? You know, we have the infamous Jed York situation where he told them this meeting is for men only in San Francisco, what have you. And yeah, that's a situation where he probably wore on the San Francisco front office. But what if Jim Harbaugh doesn't so much you know, wear on the people around him. What if a place wears on Jim Harbaugh? Because when he came in to Michigan, this guy had a chip on his shoulder, man. He had an edge. He came in, he he was setting up satellite camps in SEC country. He forced the SEC to pretty much lobby the NCAA to make a rule out of nowhere that would disallow that. I mean, he was, he didn't care who he pissed off. He was going after D'Antonio, after Meyer. He was going after the whole country. He came in with an edge. I haven't seen that same edge from Jim Harbaugh. It's like he doesn't have that edge. I think he still has a passion, but he's lost a bit of a competitive edge. And I'm wondering, into year five, hasn't spent more than four years in any one of his head coaching jobs. I'm wondering if maybe you know he doesn't, where on the people around him, the same place wears on him over time. I want your guys' thoughts on that. You know, that's an interesting hypothesis. And and honestly, when you texted us that you had an epiphany, I, I wasn't sure that's where we'd be going. So I'll be honest, I'm a little bit caught off guard by by that being your take. At the same time, it's something that I think a lot of people have sort of thought about in the last few days. Because like, where is the fire? He is a little more reserved. And that's where like, Here's the thing, though, when he showed that fire, when he was outspoken, when he was doing satellite camps and uh, kind of being out there on social media and, and things like that, people were saying he needed to stop talking and that he needed to tone it down. And he, by and large, has done that for the most part. We haven't I can't I honestly don't remember a sideline tirade since, you know, he broke the headset at Ohio State. Uh, he's been a more reserved guy. And I don't. I don't think that the passion for football is gone. Um, I just don't think you can be a, a football coach and, and not have passion and not have a desire to win. I think what his limitations are, and, and even you know some former players of his have said this that you know he's a good coach, but he's not a guy that will give you like the rah rah amazing you know fire you up speech. And when you're at Michigan. You know, it, it's easy to kind of play up for those games at home because you have the pageantry, you have the, you know, you run out and touch the banner and you hear the victors being played and there's all these traditions. Whereas on the road, like they're not getting as much of that, um, I guess, that pregame motivation or I, I don't know if he's a tremendous motivator, I guess is, is, is what the big, one of my bigger takeaways is. And that's not to say he's a bad football coach. He's a good coach, but. You know, in the biggest moments, and even if you, I'd be interested in looking at how road games in the Harbaugh era have gone in general, because even in the ones that have been wins, outside of a few laughers here and there, Michigan, generally speaking, they get away from the big house, has not played all that well. That is, Anthony, that is a, a very interesting point because it just occurred to me that, you know, what is Harbaugh's biggest road win? It's got to be last year at Michigan State, right? Probably. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's that's the only one. Yeah. And 
Now, now, do they come out and they play with fire if not for Devin Butch in the pregame? Like, now now that you say that, it makes all the sense but in the, the world they, to me. In that game, and I, I know it's a Michigan State game, but that was 7-7, like halfway through the third quarter or so. So even then, yeah. they didn't really play all that well. I mean, they played the – Well, defense, the defense, the defense is excellent as a horrible Michigan State team. But like I said, unless they're – unless – it hasn't been a team or a group that's been able to self-motivate itself. And I know that people think that uh, right. they think Bo Schimbeckler and the, the epic pregame speeches and you see it on TV and movies and, you know, tearing the paint off the walls and things like that. I just don't, I, I think he's a guy that leans on his players to kind of get the job done and get them up. And we, there have been times where, you know, even look back as recent as last year, you have a guy like Chase Winovich, who's the heartbeat of your team, Rashawn Gary, was a guy who was very outspoken, uh, you know, or not outspoken, but, you know, a competitor, a fierce competitor, Devin Bush. When we look at this team, namely what happened Saturday at Wisconsin, I don't see a heartbeat and I don't see an identity. Those guys, I mean, maybe we underestimated how big of a heartbeat that Chase Winovich was, that Rashawn Gary was, that Devin Bush was. And I thought that would be able to be offset by the fact that I thought that there was a chance Shea Patterson could be their heartbeat. Uh, and, and that clearly isn't the case. Um, nobody stepped up into a leadership role. Everyone is kind of unsure of themselves. Uh, they look lost. They look tentative. They're, they're not sure what the answers are. And I don't know who that falls on other than Jim Harbaugh. And he knows that. And to his credit, um, I mean, at this point, it doesn't make it make a difference. Like they got embarrassed Saturday at Wisconsin, but um, if you're just looking for something, anything to take away from how they handle the aftermath of that, during Jim Harbaugh's Monday press conference, I thought that he said all of the right things. He took ownership. He said it starts with me. Um, you know, the only person that can figure this out is him. And whether it's, you know, maybe that it sucks that maybe a, a setback like that is what maybe reignites a bit of a fire inside of him because that absolutely should not be the case. But if anyone's going to get this figured out, it's him. And if he doesn't get it figured out, if they only win eight games this year, and let's just say they go eight and five and lose a bowl game, I can't. we can start having that conversation about what the future is. And coaching search, this is the thing too. And I talked about this in my takeaways piece that it's not easy to replace a head coach, especially when you're a program that, you know, it feels like nine or 10 wins is a pretty decently safe bet with this current regime to, to go away from that. We saw that what happened the last, you know, the 10 years after or whatever it was after Lloyd Carr retired. So it's a very slippery slope right now. Um, that doesn't excuse the performances and, and Michigan has to have a real conversation with itself about what their expectations are and what our expectations should be moving forward. If they're happy that their, you know, seven, eight, nine million dollar investment is bringing it back the rewards financially that it is that, that he's building a program, right. They're doing things the right way. That's fine. Come out and say that, admit that. And then we can adjust our expectations, but you know, in the fight song, it says leaders in the best. And uh, you know, one of the sayings is those who stay will be champions. And, there are a lot of other programs at Michigan right now that are doing their part that we don't talk about, it, you know, uh, outside of basketball, baseball, hockey, softball. It, it seems odd to me that when that's what you build your athletic program on and then you let the football program slide because it's making a lot of money. I'm not saying that's what the, the case is right now. There's a lot of football still to be played this year, but if that's how they feel about it, that's that's a little bit disheartening, I think. Uh, I'm I don't necessarily share all those opinions. I, I don't believe in the idea, and I I understand that that theory, but I don't think Harbaugh's lost motivation as a coach. I think quite simply, um, he is not the football coach that we expected he would be. Um, and while I give, I continue to give him credit for attempting to revamp the offense, 
what we've seen so far is an offense full of skill position players who have regressed. And that falls on the coaching staff and that falls on Harbaugh. What we saw on Saturday was a team that was remarkably unprepared to play Wisconsin. Wisconsin is a very good football team, and they're going to have a wonderful season before they inevitably lose in the Big Ten Championship to Ohio State. Right? They, they, they are a very good physical football team, but they are not deceptive. Right? Wisconsin has their offense, and it's, it's not a, a, a thrilling offense, but it's an offense that, that works. And Michigan knew exactly what Wisconsin was going to throw at them, and they threw it at Michigan, and they could not stop it. And to me, that showed a complete lack of preparation, that they knew what was coming and still were unable to handle what what we, what we they saw. Offensively, they were a complete mess and have continued to be. And uh, everything we've heard uh, regarding Josh Gaddis is making a lot of people, including myself, uh, feel bamboozled about some of the promises that were made. I don't think Jim Harbaugh is a terrible fo- football coach, but I think the reason why Saturday's loss to a lot of people, including myself, feels different than some of the other ones is because as bad as last year's ending was, there was a renewed sense of hope coming into this season. And Saturday was the first time where I think a lot of people realized that the coach that Michigan thought they were getting when they hired Jim Harbaugh, which was a guy who was going to take this team uh, to Big Ten titles and make them a perennial powerhouse, even in the first four years, which had seen a lot of disappointment and failure, I think there was still a belief to many people that he would he was still the guy and that he was still going to be a championship caliber coach. I think a lot of people came to the realization on Saturday that he might just not be that guy. That maybe Michigan is just destined to be an eight, nine, top, top, topping out at about ten win football team every year, and that realization sucks. And I think it's it's why that loss on Saturday felt worse than a lot of other losses in the Harbaugh era, and even going back to the Hoke era. Well, there there's a couple I think more nuanced factors to this than we're really touching on as well. And if you want to really delve into it, um, there's a couple things that you have to look at. You're right, Chris. That's what Michigan's football program is now going to be. Um, Jim Harbaugh, it probably isn't going anywhere unless he wants to go somewhere. And quite frankly, I don't know if Michigan could get anyone better at the job than what Jim Harbaugh's done, but they're not going to be a perennial Big Ten contender, or a realistic one at that. I think some of the nuanced factors that we have to start looking at, though, is that Michigan is not a a program. They can recruit nationally, but where is bread and butter made? It's made with the prospects that are close to home. I, I don't care where you are. Uh, Alabama, they are have the ability to go into Louisiana and get the New Orleans area kids. They have the ability to go into South Florida and get those kids. Michigan is not getting the kids from Ohio that were a staple of this program when Michigan was winning Big Ten championships, while at the same time, the state of Michigan is losing population. The MHSAA has many um, rules that are in place that a lot of state high school organizations do not. Look at the in-state recruits for Michigan – and they are dwindling because of the loss of population. So, therefore, you're just not getting the top-tier football recruits that a lot of these other states have right now. And that ultimately is going to be the downfall of Michigan State as well, though they're, they're going to be able to do what they've done with this style of football that Don D'Antonio plays. But they are not really, in the future, going to be a college football playoff contender like they were in 2015. That's the reality of the situation in the state of Michigan right now. You butter your bread with the players that are close to your state. And if Michigan can't go into Ohio and get players, Michigan is not going to be a Big Ten contender for the future. It's just not regardless of who you have at as the head I coaching position. I get that, and to a certain extent I agree with that. But I don't 100% buy it because – you didn't lose at Iowa in 2016 because 
you didn't have the recruits you needed to win. You didn't lose at Ohio State in 2016 because you didn't have the recruits you needed to win. Yeah, that's but that's that's three that's three years ago, man. Like that's the that's my point. Is three years ago the state of Michigan was a completely well, different fine, landscape. Do, does, just, does Wisconsin recruit better than Michigan does? And that's the that is the that is the concerning thing. You should be better the than problem, Wisconsin the at the is, end of the day. And and I guess we can crank up the criticism a little bit here because I haven't quite gone there because I went there the other day. This the last three games that Michigan has played against Power Five teams, and if you even want to go back to uh, Indiana, I'll allow it too. It's been a team that has not been prepared to play, that has been has not been physical, has not imposed its will has shot itself in the foot, has not, again, been prepared to play. The, the game play, defensive game plans have been horrible. Execution has been horrible. The offense can't get out of its own way. Another fumble on the first drive of the game. You know, if they're able to come back from that first uh, that first touchdown that the Wisconsin went on that long touchdown drive, listen, you get a 68-yard 60 yard play, you come out, you fire a pass high to Nico Collins that, I'm sorry, like a quarterback – just needs to make that throw. Um, and then you come out and you hand the ball off to a converted full, uh, a fullback converted to defensive tackle converted to running back because you don't have someone you can trust. That's not Zach Charbonnet. Like that's yeah. The ball, the ball security is a concern, but that's like, that's an insane amount of not only dumb coaching, dumb decisions, that's a ridiculous amount of hubris too. And I think that's a lot of, in a lot of ways, that's Michigan's biggest problem. They think, Hey, if we come out and just do what we do, we're going to be fine. Not accounting for mental mistakes they could make, not accounting for matchups that the other team could throw at them. Don Brown, after that army game during the bye week he came out and he talked to us for 25 minutes about how proud he was of stopping the triple option. And, um, how they were excited to play Wisconsin because it was a you know kind of a throwback to what they're more used to seeing. And it was it was open mic night for 25 minutes. He's cracking jokes. He's talking about how confident he is that they'll execute at a high level. And you know what happened? They came out again. His defense came out again against a team that was physically capable of pushing them around, and it pooped its pants. Like that's yeah. this isn't a recruiting issue. This is not a uh, cheaters in the SEC issue. This coaching staff, and it again, it goes back to Jim Harbaugh, has not done a good enough job having this team focused in preparation, focused on game day, and having a game plan that sets their players up to succeed. And they think they can just skate skate by because they are more talented, because they're Michigan and, and all that. I, I don't buy – like I understand the recruiting concerns, but I don't buy that, – that doesn't – that doesn't move the needle for me because the big games that they've lost, uh, even I know we're going back a few years. Uh, you know, you lose a game to Michigan State on a botched punt. You lose a game to Michigan State because you didn't have a quarterback that can complete a pass, and you're having them throw four wide in the rain. Like these are some of the mental mistakes that a good, like a a better a coaching staff that has a team ready to play just just doesn't make. You know what I mean? But. My point is moving forward. Oh, moving forward. Moving forward. Moving forward. Michigan is not going to be a Big Ten title contender. Is my no, point. Because They're you just have not. to win those games. You have to beat Ohio State in 2016. You have to right. find a way to win that game in Columbus last year. I told you guys exactly. before that we did. Uh, we did the podcast before that game. Those are the types of games that swing a narrative of a program. That kind of, you know. You're, you might get a few more of those kids from Ohio after a win like that. You might have guys that don't, you know, that, that consider you a little more heavily nationwide. When the lights are the brightest and the national spotlight is the biggest, is usually when Michigan shows its, I mean, for lack of a better term, shows its butt to the world. Period. That the man, man, did yeah. they ever on I'm Saturday? Being, being and I'm gonna, Saturday. And, and Chris, uh, I'm going to. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to say, Chris, can we get your thoughts? Can we take a quick break and then get your thoughts course, when we come yeah, back? Yeah. All right, we'll, we'll get Chris's thoughts when we come back, and I have a question to ask you guys uh, for you guys to answer. That's when we come back quick on Brewcast. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back in on Brewcast, and we're kind of just talking about the fallout from Michigan, Wisconsin. Uh, looking ahead here, and Chris, I want to get your thoughts here that you had before we were going into well, the break. Well, I, I just, I was thinking about your comment about some of the recruiting and while I do understand it and look, Michigan until they beat Ohio state is going to be held at a disadvantage because what major recruit that's going to a big 10 school, like honestly is going to, who's being offered by both schools is going to want to choose Michigan over Ohio state. That's just the way things are right now. Um, But recruiting is much like, you know, going back to baseball here is very similar to, uh, having players in your farm system, having major prospects. There are a lot of talented guys that come out of high school and choose to go to Michigan. That's just a fact. It's the way things are. It's the way things have been and always will be. Michigan recruits really, really well. Always have. And, but unfortunately, the, I won't say inability to develop guys because that would be an unfair statement. Michigan has had a lot of really talented players in the Harbaugh era that have been NFL caliber players. But the one position that when it, when Harbaugh got here, everyone said, oh man, watch out. We got the QB whisperer here. And yet Michigan, coming into this year, we were fairly confident that they finally had some consistency at the quarterback position. And three games in, I think it's kind of safe to say, you know, health may be an issue here, but it's kind of safe to say that this is now the second time that a quarterback has played a full year under Harbaugh, Wilton Spate being the other, come back the next season and been considerably worse. Now, I don't know if Shea Patterson's healthy or not. It doesn't seem like he is. But even so, he was a complete mess on Saturday. And he was against Army as well. And it's really starting to believe, and this is one of the biggest, most concerning things, because you're not going to win anything at any level of football, if you don't have a good quarterback, it's just the way it is. Unless you're, you know, the the eighty five Bears or the two or the or the two thousand Ravens, right? You're not going to win anything unless you have a good quarterback. And right now, every quarterback Michigan hauls out there seems to be regressing. Shea Patterson looks considerably worse than he did a year ago. Now I don't know if changing the offense has completely messed with his head or what, but this is a major issue at this point. And I think the the QB whisper that we were kind of promised. Is starting to look a little bit fraudulent and start kind of seem like Andrew Luck maybe made him. Yeah, you, you're you're completely right there. Uh, Wilton Spate, Shea Patterson, both have visibly, tangibly, I think, regressed. I, and I don't know, I don't know if it was Wilton Spate if that 2016 talent kind of masked what he truly was as a quarterback. And like you said, I don't know if it's the offense, but you're absolutely right, Chris. Like the quarterback position has regressed when they've had returning starters. And uh, you brought up something, Chris, about, you know, developing players in, you know, Michigan recruiting at a high level and they've churned out some good, good players and whatnot. But I mean, all of Michigan's good players, you know, as of late and as far as I can remember, have been on the defensive side of the football. When was the last skill position Michigan player to go in the offensive skill position player to go in the first round. Was it Braylon Edwards? Honestly, Chad Henney went in the second round. Mike Hart went well, in the fourth uh, round. Well, Peppers was a running back who went in the first round. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I'm, on, I'm honestly, I, I'm going to look up Manningham right now. No, Manningham um, was like a third round pick. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it was Braylon Edwards. Wow. That's the only one that I, that I can think of. That's a pretty yeah. shocking indictment. And not just on Harbaugh, but just on Michigan in general. I mean, that's three and a half coaching administrations without a single uh, first-round skill position player. 
That's stunning. I mean, yeah, Rutgers has had skill position players go in the first round, I think. Yeah, Devin Funches was a – I think he was a second-round pick. So, yeah, it uh, – yeah, I, I haven't even thought about that, but that's that's an excellent point, honestly. Like, that is, that's just an indictment on the program, I think, well, right? even, you know, this isn't a hardball thing. It goes back to, you know, the few – Really just in Michigan football has never been on the cusp of offensive innovation and, you know, sending guys to the NFL based on where the NFL is going. Um, it's, it kind of just is what it is there, but um, like, you're not going to like, you're not going like, to win big 10 championships and compete for national championships that way. Michigan state kind of defied the odds with that. I think when they won the big 10 in 2015, and you know went to the college football playoff but at the end of the day they got shown you know what they went up against Alabama and they were totally outclassed yeah. you know you like that team that won the national championship with Ohio State like go look at that team man it was disgusting how talented they were yeah and i think the thing about that 2015 Michigan State team was that and even a lot of those Michigan State teams they've been over able to overcome some of their the lack of the skill players because they've had NFL caliber quarterbacks. Connor Cook, whether he sucks in the NFL or not, is irrelevant. He was pretty darn good at Michigan right. State, he and he, yeah. he carried that team. Um, and I think – I don't think it's any coincidence that Jim Harbaugh's two – I won't say two best teams, but two maybe like 2015 and 2016 right now was probably the best – and you can throw Shea Patterson in there for 20, 2018 as well, but um, – you know, Michigan, when it's gotten good, efficient quarterback play, NFL caliber quarterback play, and I'll be honest, if Shea Patterson had come out last year, he probably would have been drafted in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. Uh, I think you've got decent quality quarterback play out of him last year. But well, the weird thing is, like you said, with Wilton Spate, with Shea Patterson, when they came back for that second year, and this is even more shocking on Patterson's point of view, is because he has all that talent there and that's not, you know, Michigan also isn't utilizing it, but um, that, that they've regressed that second time around is just so, it's so odd. And I, I almost, I want I think I'll take a closer look at that sometime this week and just the quarterback recruiting in general. Um, I also don't think there's a quarterback on the roster right now that wasn't recruited by Pep Hamilton, which, you know, that might say some things Fair. as well. Yeah. Um, but Harbaugh is supposed to be the, the quarterback guru. And when you look at this team right now, um, not only do they not have a starting quarterback that's willing or that looks like he's able to put a team on his back currently, they don't really have a guy waiting in the wings that looks like he's ready for the job either, even when McCaffrey comes in there. Uh, and he's not going to play this weekend. And I have a feeling we might not see him for a few weeks with that concussion because that was, that was ugly. And it's just – it's so – you know, we talk about the black pit of negative expectations with the Michigan fan base. It's so like it's the second time in a row you've lost a promising young quarterback on a nasty hit in Wisconsin to a head injury. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're, you're absolutely right. I forgot. Yes, and, and look, I, I, I don't. We've seen Dylan McCaffrey in pretty much nothing but garbage time, and I, you know, I still think he'll probably be a pretty good quarterback. You know, unless they ruin him like they have with some of these other guys, but. His whole thing of, of, you know, trying to be Mike Vick is going to have to stop because he nearly got decapitated twice on Saturday and broke his collarbone trying to do the same thing last year. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be a bad QB, but he might have to change the way he plays the game a little bit uh, because that that type of offense. For well, let me, is, let me ask it. this, too. And then this isn't this is more like to everyone out there, not just you guys like. Other than being a straight line, you know, straight line speed and very athletic, that's about the only thing that Dylan McCaffrey has really shown an ability to do. Um, and I don't know where these people have gotten the idea based on garbage time that you know he's a gifted passer to it, and you know, people say, "Oh, the team just plays different when he's out there." Like, based on what? Right. It's because being a backup quarterback is the best job in sports. Because everyone always assumes the guy right behind the starter is a. Better they made a TV show out of it. That's Blue Mountain State, like in a nutshell. Yeah, exactly. Right. I I so I wanted to ask you guys uh, before we went to break 
Coming out of Saturday in Wisconsin, I think we agree it was about as bad as anything possibly could have gone. It, it went as bad as it possibly could have gone. I, but I want to ask, um, it, is there any reason for optimism? Like I was struggling to find anything to come up with that, that screamed optimism. I think the only way people can be optimistic, and, and again, it doesn't even totally matter, but in order to be optimistic about this team moving forward, you have to see a pulse this weekend. And not just a pulse, they need to thoroughly beat the hell out of a Rutgers team. And there's a good chance that they that they do that. They are favored by, I think as of now, 27.5 points. It might be the perfect time for a slump buster for them. But if they don't absolutely beat the brakes off of them and show some fire and, and play this game like it's the last game they'll ever play, because I think that's kind of the message that's being sent there right now, I will be concerned. And you're already like, I think the concerning thing to me is that players after the game came out and said, uh, we, we just weren't all that prepared to play a football game today. And then John Runyon, even on Monday, had made a comment like, I'm not going to name any names, but you watch the film. There were definitely guys not giving their full effort. If that's yeah. the case, I don't even need to see those guys on Saturday. Put Chris Hinton in there. Put Mozzie Smith in there. Um, not, not to say who's been playing defensive tackle hasn't, you know, hasn't played well. They haven't, but you've had a converted fullback in there at defensive tackle. They had Jordan freaking and gave him the ball on the goal line. I know it's so. So I need to see a decisive and thorough performance, and I know it won't matter because it's Rutgers. But the reason that I need to see that is because it's Rutgers, and, and even then, it won't it won't be anything. It just it applies to this week. They need to get rolling these next three weeks and then beat Penn State on the road before we even talk about maybe this team has flipped a switch. That's kind I of mean, where I see it right now. This is this is this team legit feels like 2017, man. Like the parallels are it tremendous. feels worse. It, quite frankly, yeah. it feels worse. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I don't I don't take any optimism away from Saturday. Like I, I just it, their season and, and I think as I always do, because I often I do my post game reactions, in, you know, instantly, and it's very raw and not, you know, once a couple of days go by, I sometimes change my opinions. The season is hanging by a thread. Um, I think I probably said on Saturday it was over. I won't necessarily go that route, but they have to win out, and they, I like, I'm sorry, but they're not going to win out. So, and if that's the case, they might then, not even win two weeks from today or two weeks from now. Exactly. Uh, they, they might not win out the rest of September. Um, so, well, no, that's not true. I, I, I forgot what day it is, but uh, you, I get your point, and you're absolutely right. And if if they don't win out and they fall short of their goals, uh, and then the season at that point it's a failure. We've reached that point with the program, and that's what the expectation should be. You win the Big Ten, you beat Ohio State. Season success. Season is a success. I can't talk. You do anything else, it, it's a failure, and. Right now, they are dangerously close to already having a failed season, and we're three games into the year. It, it is brutally disappointing what we've seen. So I don't even know how this disaster happened. I honestly don't. Like, of all the things that I thought could happen this year, um, you, you know, it, maybe it was a little overzealous to predict them to win the Big Ten, even though we thought, you know, this year should be the year. I mean – what we saw in the first three games never would have happened in even my most pessimistic views. It is remarkable to me how they have played worse in every game so far this season. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it, it is, it's true. Like even obviously the Harbaugh era known for falling apart in November, we get that, but they have shown significant improvement. The team that played Penn state last year was not the same team that played Notre Dame, right? That team, they peaked early, but they got better as the year went along until the very end. They the Middle Tennessee State game was I was a virtuoso performance compared to what we've seen these last two weeks. The the fact that Michigan has lost by twenty one or more in their in three of their last five games is just I, I don't even have words to I, I can't even describe it. Like this is rock this is this is almost this almost feels rock bottomy. It legit does. I, at least at least as, as rock bottom as it gets with Jim Harbaugh and, you know, like you, if you guys have pointed out how well he's recruited, but it, 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 I don't, it's not rich rod rock bottom, but this is rock bottom for the Harbaugh regime. It's eerily similar to what derailed the Hoke era 
which all the way down to bringing in a, you know, quote unquote, offensive genius from Alabama to try to turn things around. I oh, mean, Doug, well, oh, don't to, even remind me of Doug. And to, so, and to do so on the reports that came out that um, never even met face to face with Josh Gaddis. It was a 20 minute phone call. And, and do you want the job? Like there was, uh, it doesn't seem like there's much of a process there. So I'm not he's, sure. He's going to be regretting that right now, right? Like he can say all he wants in the pressers about having faith in his coaching staff, but he's got to be regretting it, right? Has, has to be. This is the thing. And regardless of how the defense is played, like I still think given a practice setting, I have to think that that's there. I, I still truly believe it's a good defense. It, it can be a great defense. What they've been saying that the offensive look great in practice and, you know, throughout spring and throughout fall camp. And obviously that doesn't mean anything once you get to the season, but what is happening between practices and Saturday that is allowing it to fall apart. And a lot of that, like I said, is the mental, like we haven't, we have not even gotten the chance to see what the Josh Gaddis offense really even looks like outside of that. You know, once they stopped doing the two quarterback thing against Middle Tennessee, they started moving the ball. They were chucking the ball down the field. Like I, I legitimately thought that that was promising, and you thought they would build off of that, but it's gotten worse every week. And I told you guys the first week of the year, good football teams get one or two of those performances a year. They're three for three right now, guys. Like they're three for three with a loss, and quite frankly, probably a should be loss. So. Mm-hmm. They might be a missed field goal and regulation away from being one and two right now. Ugh, that is hard. I, I, I can't even fathom any of it. I, I, not in my worst possible expectations. Not in my most pessimistic views. But uh, any final thoughts for you guys as we as we wrap this one up? It, it has been it's been a good venting session for me. I appreciate you guys, you know, being my therapist here on this show. Um, I don't really have any final thoughts. Like I said, I've kind of exhausted it the last few days and, and I'm trying. It doesn't fe- like in the sense that after the first or second big loss of the year and like the Rich Rod or Hoke era, like you knew that the bottom was going to fall out. And, and I don't feel like I think there's a better chance that they figure it out than they go six and six or seven and five. Like some of the loonies on, on Twitter might think they are. But I'm also not very encouraged that they, you know, they play like they did Saturday. They will, they will lose four or five games. Like that is just how it is. And like I said, you only get a few of those performances a year. And I know people are going to say, you know, if they beat Rutgers and Iowa and Illinois, that it doesn't matter because they, oh, that's what they do is beat up on the bad teams. But you know what? I kind of need to see them beat up on the lesser teams right now. And Iowa's not a lesser team. They are, I believe they're ranked 14th. Michigan's ranked 20th. So like Iowa is the better football team, but I still expect you to win that game at home. And I would still expect you to win it by, you know, 10 to 14 points at least. Like that's what my expectation is. Um, So I think it would be more encouraging the next few weeks for them to have some thorough, decisive victories than, know getting by like just give yourself a chance to build up to winning a game at Penn State and Penn State might not be that very good and I don't I don't think they're very good but Michigan to go on the well no they're not but to go on like that's what I'm saying to build up to going on the road and winning in in the Big Ten right now I think is is really the only thing you can kind of ask for because we can't we we don't have the luxury of doing the doom and gloom thing because we have a website to run we have a podcast to do like over these next three weeks, I just need to see thorough, decisive victories that show that this team has a heart and has a little bit of a pulse. I'd love to see them go up, you know, forty-five zero and, and you know, fake an extra point or go for two or, I, like, yeah, it might be it might be annoying because they're against bad teams, but I need to see that there is an edge and there is a chance that there might be a spark there. But right now, like, yeah. This team's not going to win the Big Ten. They're not going to beat Ohio State, and um, I won't. I didn't pick them to win Saturday, and I won't pick them to win a big game the rest of the year until I see it. Quite frankly, I, I said that last year, but I truly 100% mean it now because they don't deserve the benefit of the doubt. They don't deserve anyone's respect, and uh, like I said, they need to go out there and earn it. And I think they know that. Um, it's just if that, I think Harbaugh is saying all the right things as of Monday. I think some of the players are, but. 
we're going to see if that message resonates or not. And if they come out sloppy against Rutgers, um, yeah, this is it'll probably be pretty damning. Even more that would if they come out sloppy against Rutgers, I will be somehow even more disturbed by that than what happened at Wisconsin. Quite frankly, yeah, I mean it's Rutgers is a glorified you know. Not to not to dump on them too much, but I mean they're a glorified bye week, <laughs> unless you're just you know completely incompetent. Um, I, I I guess my final thoughts would just be I, I'm I'm just remarkably disheartened by how ugly things are. Not just uh, the product on the field, but the the fan base is divided right now, and that sucks. It's. It may make for good content, but I would love to come on here and praise what Michigan has done and talk about how they do win big games. And the unfortunate reality is we're very far from that right now. When you think, and and that's that's the thing too is that I don't even think it's all that divided, Chris. I mean, just going off and and not to bump our product too much, but we do the SB Nation fan pulse, and we have about. 300 people that, that get the poll sent out to them each week, and there's a fan confidence rating. And to start the year, is at about 92%. After Army, went down to 51%. Went back a, up a little bit after the bye, but we're at 12% right now in terms of fans that are still confident about this team moving forward. Uh, I know 300 people is, you know, there are millions of Michigan fans out there, but it feels like a pretty good sample size of where people are at. And, and I think we're seeing even more even some of the more even keel and wait and see type of fans or pundits like myself, uh, I think we're seeing them starting to turn and that's, um, that's disturbing. That's, and that's the portion of the fan base that's still active, you know, actively involved with this team. What what does that say about how the people who won't even, you know, be active about this team anymore say, you know? Right. Right. Yeah, and I think, you know, to kind of put a bow on all that, and this is kind of my final thought, to have Charles Woodson as embarrassed and defeated as he was on national television, to have Jake Long tweeting about how these guys aren't playing with a purpose, Steve Hutchinson asking a team to compete. We're not even going to get into Braylon Edwards because, honestly, I've, I've <laughs> that we're just not going to go there because obvious reasons. But to see yeah. respected – Former players, respected people kind of start to turn and really not even turn, not like they're throwing tomatoes. They're just so disheartened and, and upset. Um, I think that's more telling than anything right now. And, and I had, I think I speak for all of us. I, I had zero problems with what Woodson or any of those guys said on Saturday. I thought they were completely nope. honorable 100% and respectful dead what on. they said. Um, sure. But Which yeah. is what Braylon Edwards has not been. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's. It's tough. I I truly hope that a lot of what I'm saying can be proven wrong. Uh, but these are this is good. This is a they're at the they're they're in the end game at this point. I mean, they got their backs against the wall. They got to prove a lot of people wrong really fast, or else this thing's going to go even more south than it already has. All righty, guys, give us where we can find you on social media so we can all suffer together some more. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. Find the website at Mason Brew. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, like us on Facebook. We will continue to. Uh, I know a lot of people. There were a, a decent amount of people that thought that, that what I had put out over the weekend was a little bit much melodramatic. Some people said, but uh, it was really one of the things, first things I've wrote in a while where I felt like I sort of nailed it and struck a nerve with the fan base. And, and, you know, if you haven't seen it, I encourage you to check it out. But all I can promise is that we are not going to sugarcoat things. We are the voice. We're the voice of the fans. And we have a lot of different voices. Obviously we have three different voices here. Um, I don't owe Michigan anything. Now I have to answer for what I say because I'm down there during the week, but I don't owe them anything. I don't owe Jim Harbaugh anything. We don't owe the program anything. Uh, but we'll always be fair and respectful in our criticisms. And, uh, you know, we hope that you'll continue to stick to us, listen to our podcast uh, and things like that. So I, we, we will always do right by you. And I, if something seems hot takey, I'm not going to put anything out there that's, that's hot takey. All I can do is, is be honest with myself and be honest with you. And that's what we'll continue to do. So it's my little, uh, 
message <laughs> as we close this out. Yeah, and, and we all we all want them to succeed. You know, we absolutely want what's best for the Michigan football program. But it, like, I I was completely fine with your article on Saturday. I thought you did a very good job. Um, as did everyone else on the Mason Bruce staff. I, I really appreciate how. Uh, They've handled things, and I recommend anybody listening to this who doesn't, please go and check out the website. There's some really good stuff on there. Uh, guys, are uh, I've been writing their butts off. But as far as I'm concerned, you can find me on Twitter, at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. I do post games after every Michigan game. we got one more week of Tiger baseball, and then we'll be doing some postseason uh, post games as well, videos after every Lions game. Always love interacting with the fans on there. Have a lot of fun. If you want to see me on Instagram as well, that's Chris Castle 95 That's C-H-R-I-S-C-A-S-T-L-E-9-5. On the link to my Twitter, you also find the link to my YouTube page as well as my Snapchat, which is the same as my Twitter handle. Please follow me on all those platforms, and it would be much appreciated. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. Appreciate all the follows and love engaging with everyone that listens to Maze of Brew and uh, Brewcast in particular. And you can also find the Brewcast Show Twitter page at Brewcast Show. Uh, So go follow that. Follow me on Twitter. And uh, like I said, we'll be miserable together because misery loves company. So that'll do it for us here today. Remember to subscribe, leave a review for all of our shows and content where you get your podcast by searching Maze of Brew Podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. We'll be back tomorrow with a brand new episode of Future Brew, and we'll see you next week on Brewcast. Your sports team is vastly inferior. That simple fact is plainly obvious to see. We're gonna kick your collective posterior. Of course you realize we're speaking figuratively. Our stats are thoroughly impressive. Our coach really has a vital touch. Our players are fast and strong and brave. And your guys, not so much. In fact, we play teams across the nation, and you're the worst one we've come across. Try to assimilate that information, and it just might help you cope with your impending loss. Oh, and if somehow we are still failing to effectively articulate the points at hand, allow us now to summarize them in a manner that your feeble brains can understand. We're great, we're great, and you suck. We're great, we're great, and you suck. We're great, we're great, and you suck. You see, there's us, and then there's you. You suck. We're really, really great. In contrast, you really suck. Okay, full disclosure, we're not that great, but nevertheless, you suck. Swift defeat, that theory's backed up by empirical evidence. We're gonna grind up your guys into burger meat. Again, of course, we're speaking in the figurative sense. What's the use of even going through the motions when you know 